I don't know if there's any of those stories you could relate to this morning, but I got to believe in an audience like this and in the last two services, someone has some story like that. Because every single one of us have a story. Whether everyone knows or only a few know or only you know, every single one of us have a story. And we come together today to share the greatest story ever told. A story that changed the world and has been changing lives for over 2,000 years. You and I have a God who sacrificed himself for us instead of us sacrificing ourselves for him or to get his attention. It's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. We have a God who's not still in the tomb. We have a God who rose from the dead. We have a God who so loved this world that he gave his one and only son so that we could have life and have it forever. Those are incredible reasons to celebrate. Here we are over 2,000 years later still telling the story. What other story in the world lasts that long or has so much staying power or in and of itself has so much incredible power? Be honest with you, I don't think anyone who was there ever saw what was about to take place and never dreamed that it would unfold the way it did. No matter how many times Jesus told them, I've got to believe that they watched in awe. I can't believe this really happened. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I cannot believe this just took place. Most of the people there had seen someone die, and maybe even a few of them had seen crucifixion before. But someone coming out of the grave on their own power, that one no one saw coming. What intrigues me, to be honest with you, I, I honestly think that most people would believe that the God of the universe had enough power to raise himself out of the grave if he wanted to. One of the things that stands out to me about this weekend and one of the most incredible miracles about it is that God would be on a cross. I believe, to be honest with you, that God could raise himself from the dead on his own power if he wanted to. I cannot believe that God would subject himself to death. Or that those that were there that day would see God on a cross. To me, God on a cross is just as incredible as coming out of the tomb. And both events are equally important. And both make Christianity what it is. Other religions have leaders who died. And their bodies are still in the grave. But no other religion have a leader who would die for the sins of their followers, let alone all of humanity but ours. The price for our sins had to be paid. To ever see a holy God, somebody had to pay the price. And for God himself to offer it is unheard of. One of our missionary friends and partners are Buzz and Myrna Maxi. I've known them most of my ministry life. They've been serving the Lord in Indonesia all of their lives. Even before that, their families were there as well. This particular week, of all weeks, they sent me their prayer letter. As I scan down through the letter, I notice a picture that I'm about to show you in a moment. It is a picture of the hands of a number of their friends and others from their church who they visited that particular month, this month, for the celebration of Easter. And in that picture, eight of those women have 27 of their fingers missing when they were taken off when they were little girls to appease God. The beauty of the gospel that you and I come here to celebrate this morning is that these women found Jesus. And now they no longer have to offer themselves a sacrifice because the God of the universe offered his son as a payment for the penalty of their sins. Now that is a God worth celebrating. 
And that is a God worth praising. And that is a God that I want to follow, that I no longer have to offer myself or even parts of myself to somehow get his attention. I have a God who offered himself for you and I. That's a God I can follow. That's a God I want to serve. That's a God I want to sing about. Paul tells us in Colossians, he has forgiven all of our sins and canceled every debt we owe. Not most of our sins are just the big ones. He has forgiven all of our sins and canceled most of our debt. Doesn't say that, does it? He canceled all of our debt. Christ has done away with it by nailing it to the cross. The death of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection from the grave have got to go together. Otherwise, Paul says in Corinthians, if Jesus hadn't risen from the dead, we're toast. We have no hope at all because our sins are still in the grave. If Jesus hadn't been raised from the life, our faith is futile and we're still in our sins. But he goes on to say, Christ has indeed risen from the dead. There's a lot of people that let their past haunt them or hold them back, as you saw here this morning. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can come to him, ask his forgiveness, and know beyond the shadow of a doubt, the debt has been paid. There are a number of phrases and sayings that we talk about in regards to Jesus dying on the cross. One of the ones that stand out to me is the phrase, it is finished. It obviously meant he finished what he came here to do. It obviously means I'm done. I've died. I've given up the ghost in a second as the passage of Scripture begins to unfold. To be honest with you, I think it has even deeper implications than that. I believe it also means when he says it is finished, the debt has been paid. My sin is gone. Your sin is gone. Jesus paid the price so that I no longer have to carry the guilt around with me any longer. Isn't that incredible? That's why the Apostle Paul could, said, could say, look, I need you to know I'm not where I need to be. I'm not always there yet, but I'm telling you this much. I don't look back. My debt is paid. My sin is gone. My past is over. I keep moving for what's ahead, and I forget what is behind. Do you realize the freedom that offers us? Sadly, not everyone lives in that freedom. I've heard a lot of people say, I just feel like I can never change the situation. I feel like I can never get out of this mess. I feel like I can never get a handle on who I am and what I need to do. I feel like I can never break this habit. I feel like I'll never be able to save this relationship. What I love about the Easter celebration is that we don't have to do this on our own. We never were meant to live this life by our own power. Paul said, look, I got some really good news for you. Because of a relationship with Jesus Christ, he offers us his power, incredibly great power to those of us who believe him. The exact same power, he says in Ephesians, that raised Jesus from the dead. The same power that enabled Christ to rise from the dead is the same power that allows us to rise above our problems. The same power that God used at the resurrection over 2,000 years ago is the exact same power that's available in our life now. Not a one of us in here know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what next week, next month, next year, or tomorrow holds. To be honest with you, when I know Jesus as my Savior, it doesn't matter because even if the world's out of control, it's not out of God's control. He gives me the power to face it. There's not one single problem too big for God. And no situation hopeless if we're willing to turn it over to him. The death and resurrection of Jesus did not happen in secret. Everyone knew it. 
Almost everyone in Jerusalem knew about it. Almost everyone in Jerusalem had heard about it. Matter of fact, most of the Roman Empire knew what had taken place. If Fox News and CNN would have been there, they'd have been recording it all day long, over and over and over again, all day, the next day, the next day. There are over a dozen historical references to Jesus meeting people, touching people after the resurrection, talking to people after the resurrection. He even cooked breakfast for some. And at one point, he met over 500 at one point. But of all the appearances, today I want to share with you just about one, and probably for some of us, a unique character. The story is found in John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, I think most of it will be on the screen. Every one of the Gospels writes from a different vantage point. They're writing to different audiences. But every single one of them record the events of this weekend. They talk about the triumphal entry, the crucifixion of Jesus, all the pain that went with that, the beating and the scourging, nailing him to the cross in his hands and his feet, and a spear into his side to make sure that he had died. They all recorded that. John records it as well. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, which is why we celebrate Sunday on Sunday or the resurrection on Sunday and why we've been celebrating it ever since when the Jews always did it on Saturday. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. She saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, by the way, it's the one who Jesus loved, he says, which by the way is me, John would say. I love how he always puts that in there. He said, she said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple, me, John would say, started to the tomb. We were both running. The other disciple, me, by the way, outran Peter to the tomb. I got there first. He bent over and looked into the strips of linen and saw it, but he didn't go into the grave. Peter, you know him, he'll just run into everything. He comes behind me. He runs straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, that would be me, reached the tomb, also went inside. He or I saw and believed, he would say. They still didn't quite understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors locked in fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. They were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. I think one of the understated sections of Scripture. Verse 24, now Thomas, one of the twelve, wasn't with the disciples when Jesus came the first time. So they came and said to him, we've seen the Lord. But he said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. So a week later, after the disciples were in the house again, Thomas with them now. Doors locked, Jesus came, stood among them, and said, Peace be still. Then he went to Thomas and said, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus said, Blessed are you who have seen me and have now believed. And blessed are those, that's all of us, who have not seen and yet still believe. Jesus performed a number of other signs in the presence of his disciples, that are not recorded in the book, but these were written so that you who believe may know that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have life in His name. Thomas had been told by the other disciples that they had seen the Lord. What's intriguing is that Thomas doesn't say, I saw all the miracles, I want to see one again, then I'll believe. 
I, I saw the, the lame walk, the blind see. I saw Lazarus come out of the grave. I saw this guy take a few fish and some bread and feed thousands. I'll know it's Jesus when I see that again. What's intriguing to me is he never says that. He just simply says one thing. I want to see his hands. I, I want to see the scars. We call him Doubting Thomas, and to be honest with you, I don't think that's fair. The only thing Thomas asked for is what the other disciples had already seen. His problem wasn't doubt. His problem was he missed church the very Sunday it existed. You never know what you're going to miss when you miss church on Sunday, so don't <laughs> miss next week. We're going into Revelation. Don't you want to know how this story comes out? Thomas said, I need to see it for myself. And so eight days later, Jesus honored that request. And when Jesus showed him his hands and his side, Thomas made an incredible declaration. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. At the very first time that anybody had truly identified him as Yahweh, Old Testament God. He walked on water. He raised the dead. But it was always Lord Messiah, Son of God. Even Peter, when Jesus said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they had a number of answers. He looked straight at Peter and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. But Thomas drops all the modifiers when he sees the wounds and he said, you are God. You're God. A God who retains his wounds. That's a God I'll follow. That's a God I'll give my life to. That's a God I'll give my life for. That's a God I want to serve. A God who feels my pain. A God who understands my problem. A God who retained his wounds. That's a God I want to follow. Not a God who wound this world up sometime like a long time ago, like a clock and then let it run down to the end of time, but a God who I can call on and know that my life can be changed. A God that I can say, do you understand where I'm at? And he can say yes. A God that simply hears what other people say about me and a God who looks at me and said, you're my son and daughter. You are my craftsmanship. You are my special masterpiece. A God who understands me, a God who can help me, a God who hears me, a God who can change me. That's incredible. Two things I want to say to you this morning as we end the story of the greatest story ever told. There are some people, none of you, but there are some people who probably may not go to church on a regular basis because if they do or if they did or maybe they stop by every once in a while or at least knows who goes to church and they find themselves thinking things like this, I could never fit in there. All of them have their act together. They're all perfect people. I couldn't fit there. I've got too many problems. I've got too much pain. I have too many issues. If they only knew, they wouldn't let me in the door. To that group of people, I want you to know, we're all sinners saved by God's amazing grace. And that perception is not the case at all. Not because we deserve it have we found God's grace. Because he loved us, he offered himself to us, and we've chosen to accept it. And now, because of Jesus, everything has changed. This morning, we're going to have the opportunity to meet some of our regular attenders in a very unusual way. 
they're going to have the courage this morning to share with you their struggle. And then they're going to share with you what Jesus did. There's also another group of people here this morning. People who are here sitting there thinking, maybe good for somebody else, but I'm just telling you, Jesus could never fix my problem. Too big, too much of a mess. There's no way that the God you're talking about can change me. The same group of people represent a small segment of our congregation, and they're going to say to you this morning in a very vivid way, oh, yes, he can. He really does understand. He can bring healing. He honestly can change your life. A number of months ago, I heard a song as we sang it on a Sunday morning, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly what God wanted us to do today. These people are going to come out this morning as you watch the grave and they have enough courage to share their story, and they represent hundreds of us. Some of them were in pain and needed healing. Some of them had a past and needed grace. And they found grace, and they found forgiveness, and they found a brand new start. Everything they needed, they got in Jesus. And they have the courage this morning to tell you what they were and what they found in Christ on a very simple piece of cardboard. They're going to share some powerful stories. And by doing that, they're saying to some of you this morning, the same Jesus who healed and the same Jesus who changed my life is reaching out to you today. As the song is being sung, I want you to stay seated where you're at. And then after the second chorus of a song that maybe you've heard before, I'm going to ask you to do something that takes an enormous amount of courage, just as much courage as they have here this morning. If you're one of those who think you could never fit in, that thinks that Jesus can never change your problem, and you want you see their story and see the response of what Jesus did, and are willing to take the risk this morning and stand up right where you are when I give you that cue and reach out, take the hand of Jesus who changed their life forever. And then we're going to stand and sing with you. God, I thank you for your amazing grace. It is absolutely incredible. I still can't believe after all of these years we have the opportunity to continue to celebrate the greatest story of all humanity. And these here this morning who represent hundreds of us who've all seen you do some incredible things. And we're just honored that we can be in your presence. We're honored that we can share the story together. We're honored that they have enough courage to share with us what they did, what they saw, what happened, and then to see what you've done. And so for any of us sitting here this morning who still don't believe that you are a God who reaches out and changes a life today, may today be the day on this Easter Sunday as they stand up and say, I want that.